brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. See the podcast. I am Mark, just PG Hoffmeyer, and I am Jay Cluett. I forgot once again. I, I, Jay Argo Nautica Cluett. There we go. <laughs> and we go with technical Cluett. Uh, yeah, that would have worked too. But and today we are not talking about Deep Blue Sea. Uh, we are we are doing a palate cleanse. We have finished talking about Deep Blue Sea two. We have not yet begun talking about Deep Blue Sea three. Today we're talking about Deep Rising, a film that has come up several times on the show, which I had never seen before. Uh, last week, and Mark is a fan of, so we figured, hey, let's do a one-off. Let's talk about Deep Rising. I mean, uh, the name works. It was released yeah. a year beforehand. It's on a, I mean, there's a, they're on a boat called the Argonautica, Deep Blue Sea, Aquatica, the yeah. gigantic monster herds people different places. The shark herds, the sharks in Deep Blue Sea herd people. So yeah, I mean, it's basically it's a so very awesome. smart so monster herding likable characters around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Mark, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever just stared at a beach ball? Just kind of picked up a beach ball, just like stared at it in confusion. Like, yes. Uh, good. Okay. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't. But when Jaiman <laughs> uh, Hounsu just picks up a beach ball at one point in in deep pricing, it just kind of stares at it, and that's stuck money, money, with money. me. <laughs> oh, I love that scene. <laughs> Vivo. Oh, he gets an axe to the head. He does. That's. That's like amongst the most unexpected deaths I've ever seen in a film. I thought something's going to happen. He's going to open the vault and be disappointed for what's inside. I didn't expect a, an axe to come out and just end him. <laughs> and to kill a cheeky Jaiman Hunsu. You don't, you never see Jaiman Hunsu being very cheeky. And this one is like money, 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 money. <laughs> He's having fun. The, the, whole, the whole crew of, of mercenaries are all having a great time until they start dying in this film. Like when they first fire off their guns. They're like, oh, this, these are awesome. He's a corner, he's firing guns! They're having such a good time. The director, Stephen Summers, in the commentary, he said, yeah, they're just a, a bunch of lunkheads. And I love that about them, too. But I, I don't know if you noticed this. So in Deep Rising, I love it when they actually get onto the Argonautica 
and they all know all the floors and they keep repeating it. So floor six, lobby, uh, casino, floor three. Like they know exactly the layout of where they're going. And I found that to be really refreshing for a team of mercs or kind of lunkheads. They memorized the entire layout of the place. And they were quite, I, I don't know, I liked it. I thought that was pretty cool. It yeah. Was, it was neat. It's, it's, you know, it's like when in Ocean's Eleven they're running through the, the heist plan. It's like, at, at minute 14, I'm doing this. At minute 17, I'm doing this. So where are you going to be? I'm going to be on the casino, level three. I'm on the vault, level six. I'm on the bridge, top level. Uh, <sighs> so, but it's little touches like that. And it, it's little things like this that bum me out that Deep Rising just tanked at the box office. Much like the tank that they had in Vancouver that burst, that cost them over a million dollars, which ended up several million dollars, which cost them more money than would they had they just shot at the Paramount lot in Los Angeles. Yeah. But the studio wanted to save money, so they shipped them to Vancouver, the tank burst, and they spent more money. Yeah, cause this this lost uh, lost money. Like we're talking about for the show, I'd never heard of this film before I came up on, oh. on our show. This is just, but. I freaking loved it. This, I, I, I somehow had nostalgia for something I'd never seen before. I watched this and just, I, I somehow felt like I enjoyed it as a child, despite never having. <laughs> I, I think I would have been eleven when this came out. If I'd seen this when I was like twelve, thirteen, it would have been my favorite film. I, I loved everything that happened in it. All the characters, all the kind of the gory death, the effects on the monster. It's all like the the half-eaten Billy that drops out of the monster yeah. at one point. It's, it's oh. fantastic. For 98, it looks incredible. And you can see early The Mummy in there, too. Those oh, yeah. early special effects that look like that. And I think one reason why it might have disappeared is, it, first of all, it got released under Hollywood Pictures, under Disney. It didn't even get a Touchstone release. Oh. It was part of the, the Hollywood Pictures, which is kind of uh, the lesser tier. Of, and so if something was released on Hollywood, you're kind of like, oh, man, it's a Hollywood picture release because Disney didn't want it. And then it also opened up in January of 98. And so it had Titanic at number one, steamrolling everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it was destroying everything. But it also had Great Expectations, Goodwill Hunting, As Good As It Gets, Wag the Dog, Fallen, Tomorrow Never Dies, Amistad. Like, it just had all these – it had a lot of competition against it. And then it also – I don't know how much you researched into this, but they were going to shoot it really – they were, they were going to – and I'm, I apologize if I'm being reductive, but I just love this about the movie – they were going to go in super early in like 96, 95, shoot this movie. It was going to be called Tentacle with Harrison Ford. He turned it down. They cut the budget down to $45 million, sent him to Vancouver, cast Treat Williams, who was magic in this movie. Just pure magic. Jeez Louise. I love his dialogue in this. It's beautiful. They go out there. They we're going to shoot it. They went to Vancouver. The tank burst. So then they lost a ton of time on that because then they had to rebuild the tank. There's like a millions of dollars in damage. And then they had the in-house visual effects crew do it, but they they were like, yeah, we're we're doing okay, we're doing okay. But then they ended up being delayed for a year on visual effects with the CGI. So ILM had to come in and do the finishing touches on a lot of the monsters. Some of them got ignored, but other other parts looked beautiful. But then when it came out, you already had Titanic, Two of by Sea, Anaconda, Mimic. Like you had all these monster moves. So it, it was going to come out before Titanic. It was going to come out before Anaconda. It was going to come out before all these big old creature features, all these uh, cruise ship movies, Speed 2, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then when it comes out, it's like, okay, Ghost Ship. Had, I mean, there was um, Virus. So this movie comes out, and it's just part of, like, it's another cruise ship. 
horror picture with monsters and everyone it got dumped in january and it just vanished and ebert hated it ebert is like my favorite movie critic jay and i'm so sorry because i know you want to talk about this movie but he dunked on it so hard i'm happy i'm happy to learn about it as well mark i've done i did very little research other than watch it twice so people people just like this movie is funny and i mean kevin j o'connor in this movie Benny. Benny's in this book. Benny. His lines in this movie as uh, Joey uh, Pantucci or Tooch, he is hilarious in this movie. You have Wes Studi. Famke Johnson, I think, is the M- uh, unheralded MVP. I mean, her record, she's wanted for attempted murder, robbery, theft. Uh, what, el- what else? Uh, I wrote them all down here. She's wanted for a lot of stuff. Yeah, the last uh, thing was attempted murder on her on her ex-boyfriend. But yeah, even like in, in the Mercs, you've got mentioned Joan Housie, you've got Cliff Curtis, Jason Fleming, Clifton Powell—it's a real like rogues gallery of like late '90s character actors. I was overjoyed to see all of them. Like I, <laughs> I love Jason Fleming. I watch him in anything, and he's—he's he's great. They're all great. They—they—they they all just have like enough enough character, enough uh, uh, personality to make them memorable and to know who to follow through this. <laughs> like, like the the Aussie who just keeps on throwing up. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's like that's not even a country. I, yeah, I even like. I, I love the relationship between Joey Pantucci and Lila. Like, there's a scene so she dies, and later on when Tooch is doing some welding, he's crying. He there's is. a crying scene, and he has yeah. sleeves. So it's yeah. But I, but you know when, when I, we I talked, to, I think it was when we talked to, to to Kevin. He said that if you welding in water films, they tend to die, and Layla is doing some welding, and she's she's the first to die. Of, the, of our wow. of our crew here, so yeah, yeah, never weld, never, never weld, weld in a horror movie. No, I don't know how you know you're in a horror movie. <laughs> just just don't weld, just don't weld in general. Just I, I, just I, I, to be safe. And and it made I was worried, Jay, because you sent me a message and you said I'm about to watch Deep Rising. I'm like yeah, and then I never heard back. From <laughs> and and sometimes, typically, if you loved it, you would have been like Mark, holy crap. <laughs> Ah, but then I heard nothing, so I was like, "Uh oh." I mean, it's like... it's been a busy week. Uh, yeah, it has some things going on this week, but so I apologize for not replying. But yeah, I, no, no, also no. I, I did kind I of think nervous. we're going to sort this in a few days' time. I want to just come and do it. I love this film. Let's talk about this film. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save it for her. <laughs> Treat Williams gets it. I mean, my, I think okay. My one of my favorite moments in this film, it's it's Finnegan. And it's Tooch, and they're running into an elevator, and they come across Trillian St. James, played by Famke Johnson, who Claire Farloni was in this movie for a week. And then they said that they had uh, creative differences, so they sent her away, and they brought in uh, Famke Johnson. But when she smacks Tooch in the face with her flat and breaks his nose, and then they're in the elevator, and it opens up, and they get a bunch of guns pointed at them. So you have Tooch... And you have Finnegan dropping their guns, and then she drops her shoe. That's a shoe, yeah. It's hilarious. Like that's <laughs> funny. That that's a that's an old B movie romp. It's funny. That's a funny moment. Yeah. And I don't know why people hated that. I I don't know. I, I can't explain it. But yeah, I, I I wasn't on board with just how much abuse uh, uh, Benny has of Tooch. Like, I just <laughs> he's just he's Benny throughout my entire notes because it's Kevin Jericho. It's Benny from the money. That's just yeah. what, that's what he'll be forever. It's Benny. So I, I just wasn't on board with how much abuse he received from literally everyone that he meets. Like just as soon as Famke Johnson meets him, she just she breaks his nose and she'll break the, break the rest of his face 
not that anyone will notice. That's the first time she's met this guy. And uh, he, he's snooping around on the ship when he finds the, the warheads that the mercenaries have got on. And they, they all beat the living hell out of him. They lay yeah. into it. They practically kill him. Mm-hmm. And he gets shot by Wes Tooney later in the film. Um, we need to feed them. How are we going to slow them down? Pop. It's, but, okay, we'll, we'll get into it. But Wes Tooney's death. Uh, is my Beautiful. favorite one because it's so brutal, but he so deserves it for for like shoot. He he, he shot uh shot Tooch to slow him down to feed one of the, one of the monsters. Didn't work. He, uh, he got caught instead. And then uh, Tooch gives him the gun to finish himself off before he gets eaten by a monster. And instead he fires it at Tooch. <laughs> and then he goes, "Oh, I missed him. I'll shoot myself. No bullets left." And he gets a oh. horrific hours long, gets drunk alive. Instead, uh, oh, so so glad that he got his just desserts. I mean, that's an epic. All, I, I'm gonna say it. That's an all timer death right yeah, there. I love it. That that's it, a, a a Dr. Jim Whitlock level death. I think of how kind of protracted it is. It's just so funny. I love when he so he shoots at Pantucci or Benny. I, this is random, but when we were watching at the movie, watching the movie, I paused it and I looked at my wife and I was like, "Hey O'Connell, I got all the horses." <laughs> And then I went, hey, Benny, you're on the wrong side of the river. Uh, yeah, I had to yell that. And then I just pressed play because I love Benny so much. It's great. But and then, but so Hanover shoots at him. And I, I just love uh, Tooch goes, you a-hole. <laughs> and when, oh, when Trevor Goddard, who plays T-Ray, was like, I don't like you. He's like, you don't even you know me. me. <laughs> yeah, you just met me. He's hurt by it. Everyone, hate, but everyone hates him so much that he's he's so such a beaten down personality. Like he he knows he's expendable, mm-hmm. and but he survives. I'm so glad he he survives. And he gets a crying moment over. Like, I, he gets a cry over Layla. I wish she would. She was cool. I wish she would have lived. Yeah. But she, he gets a cry, and he sticks up for her on the boat. Remember when they're kind of talking to her when. I, the one Kurt, Cliff Curtis. He's just he just wants to hook up with a woman all over the he, world. He's not had a Korean yet. As he says. Yeah, oh god! <laughs> Again, a very deserved death. <laughs> and I love though that Benny, like he, Benny's going to fight him, and then one of the Mercs goes, "What are we in high school? Let's knock this off." And that was refreshing. Like they're a bunch of bros, but they never, they never really go after Trillian. They never go after Lila. They're just kind of brats to them, except for Curtis. So yeah, it's... yeah. I feel like if uh, if Curtis had had met Trillian, then there would have been a, a, a conversation at least. And I'm yeah, kind of glad yeah. it didn't get to me. Uh, I'm I, just, I, yeah. Yeah. Don't you just get tired of mercs? Just, oh, oh, hey. Like, they really avoided that. And I'm not applauding a movie for doing the right thing. But it's just refreshing not to have that in yes. this. Because they just fit right to business. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and Finnegan's just playing poker. He has Layla outside working. He's like, I'm busy here. <laughs> so you say, like, you, you've commended Treat Williams. He's actually... Uh, if I had to find some problems with the film, he might be on the list of problems. This this oh, is wow. the first Treat Williams film I've seen. I've never... I, I, apparently he's Aaron's dad in 127 hours. I don't remember him in that, but fine. He's in The Phantom with Billy Zane? Yeah, I, I, I've been down his TV. I've seen nothing else he's in. I have not seen Oh, you gotta see The Phantom. It's he's on my list. That. I'll get there. Cool. That's, uh, I'm sure he is. Uh, but it's... I, I didn't know that Harrison Ford was, was originally wanted for this role, because it's very clear. I think somebody probably told Treat Williams that. Because he is very much being Han Solo on the water, 
with his with his just whole his quips, his demeanor, his entire attitude is just trying to be a, a, a Han Solo parody. He's basically Lone Star from Spaceballs, is how I kind of <laughs> came across this. And the whole Jeez way, Louise. yeah, the whole way through the film, I was like, he reminds me of someone. That face, I couldn't picture it. And then towards the end, I was like, oh my god, you know, in Shrek Two, when Shrek turns into a human, he turns into Treat Williams in this film. I, it, they have identical faces. I couldn't. And that's just, when I watched it again, all I can see is the human version of Shrek from Shrek 2. Is Street Oh, man. <laughs> I love, I know he gets kind of bagged on, right, Treat? Because, but I think I like him in this movie because it's just so, it's I, just I, so I, I like him well enough. Treat Williams. I gotta say, I, I like, like him well enough. He's, he maybe has a, a couple too many quips now and then. He's a little too... Uh, got the right thing to say at the right moment at every possible eventuality in the midst of being attacked by a giant tentacle monster. He still has quips to hand. Mm-hmm. But then that's a standard action movie thing, so I can't get too annoyed with it. I just got a little bit... He's in a different film to everybody else, it seems. Uh, but he's very yeah. entertaining. So I'd say he, he'll, be, he'll be close to a, a list of problems, but he's not not on that list. But if I had to pick something, I would maybe question that. But I don't. I can like his performance. I can like the whole film, and I do. I'm very positive about this film. I loved it. And I can't. I, I'm annoyed. It's taken me so long to watch Deep Rising, and now there's been so many other films that have been recommended over the uh, course of our podcast that I've never seen. I'm going to make it a mission to try and watch as many as I can, just because people recommend them. It must be for a reason. I should go and watch these freaking films. This not Shark in Venice. I, I want to watch Shark in Venice. I really want to watch it. Okay, but <laughs> I just, just need it to oh, be like streaming somewhere. I'm not I think you know it. your expectations, right? Your expectations are. Super I mean, low. They, they are. I, I know what kinds of films you you recommend, and I know what list to put Shark and Venice in. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a different list from The Shallows, and a different oh, a different list I from The Descent. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, exactly. But you love you love all these movies. Treat Williams. Uh, he kind of feels like a. Uh, who's the guy who played Robin Hood? Uh, oh man, the real Carrie uh, Elwes or no, um, no, like oh, back oh, in the day. Ah. Why is his name not coming to me? I don't. I um. He, he feels plays just... Superman's dad. <laughs> Robin. What? This is really bad. I this can't is think terrible. of his We name. both can't remember uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> no, like not the early like nineteen forties. Oh, oh, that one. Um, just he reminds me of of uh, Errol Flynn. I was like Douglas Fairbanks, but that's not Douglas Fairbanks. Oh yeah, Douglas. Oh yeah, I guess Douglas Fairbanks, but we didn't really hear him. That was, uh, but yeah, I mean, he reminds me of a, a Errol Flynn, 1950s, uh, uh, B movie romp injected into a modern day film. And I think that's what Summers really wanted. Summers said that he wanted this movie to be a B film, like an old B Hollywood 1950s movie. So I think he took that to heart, but then a lot of people didn't. So then you have this Errol Flynn-esque, like, ha-ha! Like, you know, like, it's, remember when Trillian said, hey, if you let me get on your boat, he's like, I'll, yeah, I, like, I'll, you have to do anything I want. She's like, sure. Can you give me, like, a give me a cold beer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that played well, but he's definitely geez Louisian, and his just language in this is just a, such a pulpy B-movie 1950s Errol Flynn type guy. Uh, that, I guess he does stick out a little bit in well, that regard. There's others that fit into that too, like the the very British captain 
uh, he, he says to Trillian, what a cheeky little trollop you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very much old-timey language. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, she is a tre- cheeky little trollop because <laughs> in the beginning, she steals his card, then she breaks into a vault, and she gets a necklace, then they put her in the brig, and she just prepares a wonderful food tray for herself. I mean, they, they put her in the room with all the food and the champagne. Yeah. What a ridiculous thing to do. I loved her setup too. Right, she just, every she's super chill in every situation. And then I love how she escapes. She just sort of wedges her necklace into something random and it works. As, and as she... somebody who works with electronics, I was not on board with that. And <laughs> she just kind of leaning back away from it whilst clearly holding the metal part of what she's using. Not gonna work. It's not she's not gonna survive that. <laughs> but fine. <laughs> And I just love, like, she hits people with shoes, yep. and then she gets changes, she gets changed, and then she's punching people, she grabs the gun, she shoots herself backwards. When they're all arguing in the kitchen, she has a gigantic loaf of bread, and she's just eating bread in the background while all the guys are arguing. And they tell the story about the octopus and the fish, which which the, the monster's basically doing. Yeah. But I, I just love that the whole movie, she's just super chill. She's basically the chef of this film, I think. And I know that sounds I really random. So. Yeah, I think that works, yeah. yeah. I, I just, I think she's hilarious. Like, I don't know. I think her character, I know electronics don't work like that, but I love, like, they just work for her. She it's it's movie electronics, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I I just think she's funny. Like, and apparently, when she was on set for her first day, they put her in that dress, and she kind of freaked out and went to her trailer, and I guess she was real bummed out. She's like, why do I always have to play the person who wears tight red dresses? And Stephen Summer's like, well, you're the lead in this massive thing like you're the romantic lead you have to and she's like so she wasn't too happy about her her dress but i think she was real like i think once she got what in another tank top that this movie could have been a lot more gratuitous don't you think for an r-rated movie it could have been yeah i mean at one point she she gets out of the dress we don't don't watch her get changed yeah uh, which has happened in other films that we've covered um Yeah. yeah she gets changed into far less constrictive clothing she's wearing like trousers and a tank top but with a shirt over it and it's a white tank top that never goes like see through at any point, which I was grateful for because like I'm, yeah. I'm glad it didn't fall into that trap. So, and Megan called that out too, and it was yeah, it was refreshing. Like even though she was completely soaked, they just never went with that because you yeah. don't have to. Like you don't have to go there. They did go there a little bit with Lila for about three seconds, but other than that, it was they did. They did. Yeah, yeah, but but Fam- I mean, Famke Jansen is forever cemented as in uh, in my mind. I, I, she's. She's gorgeous. You can't take away from her. I've been a fan of hers since Goldeneye, and she's just kind of cemented in my head as yes, that is that is uh, Famke Janssen. I will watch her in anything. Uh, but I'm 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 kind Senior of on the top. Yeah, hell yeah, Senior on top. But also like the X Men films and the Faculty. Mm-hmm. She's she's always just she's had this kind of run in the nineties, early thousands, where it's like yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, but I was, I was, so I'm just glad to add another another string to her bow of films that I can appreciate her in. Uh, not just because she's gorgeous, but also just she's just a great actress in this, great character in this. She, had some she was great cheeky, action. right? Yeah. She was cheeky. And I, I bet you she loved being cheeky because she probably never was given the opportunity because Jean Grey was very... Remember in X-Men Last Stand where all she had to do was just stand behind oh. Magneto the entire time? But yeah, she was like, that was, that's... I mean, I, I like The Last Stand for the Vinnie Jones of it all, but it's, it is a film that could be vastly improved by letting her do... Uh, have more of a personality <laughs> instead of just to stand there silently and be the threat at the end without really saying or doing much. 
Because X2, remember that ending when she was holding the water away yeah. from everybody? I had, I had a tear dropping down my eye. I was like, oh my gosh! And then so I was real excited for Last Stand, and she just stood around. Yeah. Yeah. I like the cheekiness in this. It's just, I don't, I don't know. Steven Summers, I, I know a lot of people, I know he kind of lost his clout after G.I. Joe and Van Helsing. But after spending a lot of time with Van Helsing, I kind of love it. It's just big and bonkers, and it's a romp. I enjoy it. I, I, I know why people don't like it, but it's so odd that it just works for me. But when he's clicking between, like, this and The Mummy, even the early Jungle Book movie, I remember liking that. But this and Mummy, when he's clicking all cylinders, it's just fun to watch him. Just the tone and the characters and the zaniness and then the horror blending with comedy. The, the guy, yeah, no, I liked his style. And I I, I wish like, this movie was as popular as The Mummy is now. Yeah, I like, uh, Odd Thomas is fun as well. Yeah. That's like a, a, a lesser scene one of his from the late 80s. And Anthony Ochin, R.O.P. Yeah, uh, Odd Thomas is a, is a, a curio. <laughs> I, I love enjoyed. that one. I love it. Like yeah. It's fun because he recaptured somewhat of... His former tone, I think. Maybe, I mean, maybe the budgets got to him because this one was only forty-five. Mummy didn't have the biggest budget. I remember not liking the second Mummy because it kind of felt like a retread of the first Mummy. I I, I like the Mummy Returns, but it's, it is definitely not the first one. And they yeah. they add in a very annoying child, uh, <laughs> a very annoying child. <laughs> yeah, that that first Mummy though is just magic. Oh, it's, magic. An, it's an all-timer. It's it's a classic. Yeah. There was a bumper sticker. Oh, like I wish I was rather watching the 1999 Brendan Fraser Rachel Weisz movie, The Mummy. Yeah, I mean that's Beautiful. that's often the situation I'm in. I would rather be watching The Mummy than doing most other things. That's one of the most popular movies from the Flicks episodes. People just be. keep listening to it. I mean, people just love. And there's three commentaries on that DVD, so or Blu-ray, three commentaries, and it's beautiful. And also on this one, I bought the Kino Lorber Deep Rising, I think 20th anniversary. Blu-ray of this, and there's a brand new commentary with Bob Duke, say the, the editor, who's doing huge like Star Wars movies now, and Stephen Summers, and then there there's interviews with Wes Studi, and then there's interviews with Anthony Held. He had he had um, a staph infection during this, <laughs> and, on his foot, so he couldn't hang out with most of the crew. They had William Atherton, the AD, and William Atherton, I guess, when they were first talking about making this movie. They're like, yeah, we'll just go on the coast and we'll get a boat and we'll film it on the water. And I guess Atherton's like, you guys are idiots. Like, we don't, you don't want to film on water. Like, what's just, why? You want to get a boat and shoot on the water in Vancouver? Like, that's, and I guess he was flabbergasted by it. So I, mean, just, I guess he. Just so you don't get oh. letters, it's, it was Howard Atherton, was the agent. Oh, Howard. William Atherton oh, is Richard Thornburg from Die Hard. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry about that. I was, uh, I was thinking about jerks. And so Anthony yeah. Hills somehow landed me into William Atherton territory. But Howard Atherton, the cinematographer of Bad Boys, the Michael Bay film, he was annoyed at everybody because they were like, yeah, let's go shoot on the water. Uh, and then, like, the second unit director on this was, or what? yeah, Bob was um, Dean Cundy. Who, oh, wow. I don't know if you, yeah, right? Dean Cundy was the second unit director on this, and he's one of the biggest cinematographers working i mean the the movies that he he has done what jurassic park apollo 13 back to the future yeah he's doing second unit on this movie that's incredible yeah and he, like, what happened 
Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, look, this movie had it in a, a wildly talented crew. Jerry Goldsmith did the score. Uh, Wes Duty was talking about it, and he just loved it because he just he loved his death. He loved working with Kevin J. O'Connor. <laughs> I guess he just loved working with him. But uh, I, I don't I don't get like, I don't. Okay, ninety eight. You go and watch this movie, Jay, and you are a movie critic. You've watched two of Feisty with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. You've watched Speed Two. You've watched Titanic. You've watched Anaconda. All these kind of creature features that rolled through. You're kind of tired. It's January. It's it's a Hollywood Pictures movie, which isn't prestige. It's January. So you probably have a lot of preconceived notions yeah. going into this. Maybe getting a, a little uh, aquatic fatigue <laughs> from all the water-based films. Aquatic fatigue. I like it. It's real. Yeah, Hard Rain had just come out. When was when was Waterworld? Uh, 96, I believe. Okay. So yeah, Waterworld was probably still in your mind. You had just watched a ton of people get rained on in Hard Rain. Then you have Titanic. That's a lot of rain. I think as good as it gets has a rain scene. But yeah, just you, yeah, I, it's just something about this movie. It was in and out of the box of the theaters in three weeks. Uh, I just think people just had it out for it. Or, I just, I just can't imagine shot. watching the scene where Jim Hounslow opens a door and gets an axe planted in his head and thinking, "No, I don't like this film. I, <laughs> I, this isn't for me." Like, and, and you know, the, the, again, the bit, the half-digested Billy who's still alive and looks through his hand and he's got half a face and he can't just watching that thinking, "This is, I don't know. It's all right, I guess. Five out of ten. No, no." No, what do people do? I, I can't, I can't get behind it. This is, this is bizarre. But I, I do have to say, Mark, when I asked you, uh, how like gory this film was, would, would it be alright to watch it with my wife, who's not a fan of, of any kind of horror or icky things? Uh, she might have a bone to pick with you after watching this <laughs> film. Because <laughs> of the half-digested man who goes, to, who, who like looks through his, his own hand and hasn't got half of her face. And then and the, the room full of digested of bodies covered in blood yeah. and guts and, <laughs> They use 200 gallons of goo for that. Oh, that's great. Oh, well, sorry. I, I, in my hey, head, I... I'm fine. I, it's, it's, this is... I, after all these scenes, are like, that was awesome. And she's like, awesome? That was disgusting. What are you talking about? I'm going to bite this. Did she at least like some of the humor? Was it kind of cheeky a little bit? Yeah, she, and she was she was engaged. She was watching it. Uh, just, okay, cool. Yeah, if it's uh, something gory happening in a film that she doesn't care about, she won't even notice. She'll just be doing okay. something else. So the fact that she noticed how gory it was, how disgusting it was... Is a good thing somehow? Because you were watching the movie. Yeah, exactly. Ah. And I, I noticed a lot, too. There was a lot of people going, this is just an Alien ripoff. But before Alien was released, there were other creature features that were out. So I don't... It's just odd that, you know, Jaws, like just that kind of monster movie, a prestige kind of film. There were movies that... Prestige movies that took place in space. There were different variations of that so i mean alien drew inspiration from so many different films so it's just odd that people are like oh yeah a movie that drew inspiration from films uh, is responsible for all these different films but i mean cinema just borrows from I and mean, we love deep blue sea and there's just homages to jaws and jurassic park and yeah i mean even this film and i think nowadays almost everything is reductive you see a, a car chase oh, a ripped off french connection what you see a, a romance, oh, a ripped-off Philadelphia story. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. I, any, I think any good people... film is going to inspire 
the people that people that are watching it and they're going to go and make a film and go think they're going to take the good things and yes alien is a great film in the same kind of genre of a, a group of people aboard a vehicle that has oh it's got a big monster on it that's kind of where the similarities end it's a, a setup uh, it's just it's just it's odd so right? so, i love watching i'm a big soccer fan so i like watching soccer every game of soccer that i watch it's the same game, but each game's different because it's a different team, but they still kick the balls the same way. You still score the same way. Uh, you know, there's, it's still the sport, but each game has something a little unique. That's the way I look at creature features and monster movies where they're going to share similarities, but they're all a little different, but I love all of them. It's just, yeah, I, that's, that's why I don't watch sports because they're always the same. Uh, not, <laughs> but, I, but I, but I would say, uh, Football games are more similar to each other than this is to Alien. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. I just disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess people don't like watching that, but you you get what I'm saying. There. Yeah, I, I absolutely get what you're saying, but I'm just, I'm just not a sports guy. I, I, it just seems what I don't like is we have all these Marvel movies out now, and you watch a Marvel movie and they're heavily reductive of other or borrow from other movies. I mean. In 2018, Black Panther was absolutely groundbreaking, but that and Aquaman both featured heroes' journeys. Yeah, you have a guy he he should be the king, but then he he doesn't know it. Then he comes back, he gets his butt kicked, and then he gets a bunch of help from people. Comes back, reclaims his throne, the final fight in a massive war. I mean, it's people like the same people are saying how beautiful those movies are. Will be like, yeah, Deep Rising borrow from Alien. You're like, no, like it's not. Uh, uh, it's just hard for me to watch. Right, you got like Star Wars is is influenced by Kurosawa films. Exactly. You, know, you can look at the shots and see shot for shot. Yeah, it's uh, that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> Every Tarantino Gee. film is a is a montage of other films Tarantino likes. It's fine. Force Awakens is a remake, essentially. <laughs> yeah, or a reboot cool remake. Evil Dead 2 is one of the most popular horror movies ever made, and it's a reboot call of the first one. Yeah, they remake just, the first film in the first five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and I just don't like that. This is a, a funky, fun, cheeky, gory, likable, scrappy movie, and then, yeah, it's Alien. But then you watch something else, you're like, yeah, oh, that was great. You're like, wait, what? It's just very selective, yeah. this you know ripped what, off that. You know what Alien doesn't have? doesn't have someone being killed in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> this does, and it's great. Beautiful. It sucked right through. I, okay. The one issue I have with this movie, and it's not an issue because I love this movie monster, but its tentacles <laughs> seemingly spread miles. And they <laughs> they never explain if they have eyes or, I mean, they must be independent because yeah. they're connected to the monster but they can see, but they can also stretch out over the course of 200 yards, which means an extreme amount of strength from this monster. And they said, I do like when uh, held the, the the guy who wants to blow up his 400 and something million dollar cruise liner, because you got the math wrong. But he, he's like, that's in the sheer power of this thing. So it's powerful. It's cool. I love it. But those tentacles, I don't understand this monster, but I didn't understand the xenomorph. So it's fine. Yeah, I mean the, the tentacles that they're, they're like fists, they're, um, but they're also kind of like eyes, but also like fingers. They're probes. It, they they do so much. But I really, it's a kind of monster design I hadn't really seen before, and I like that. 
Uh, I'm always up for uh, inventive uh, thing designs. And also there's a mouth on each one as well. <laughs> so many things oh. that you don't want to see in each, each of these tentacles. And you like swallow the, people alive. Yeah, and, and the, the main body of the thing has those giant eyes on it. So I don't know if it would have tentacles on the eyes as well. But I love the, the interaction between the tentacle and that gas pipe that oh, it yeah. kind of brushes past and the steam starts coming out and I, it kind of looks at it and attacks the steam thing. That's such a little detail, a small kind of thing that it doesn't need to be in the film, but I love that it's there. There's real personality to this thing. What are you looking at? Kerplow! <laughs> I kind of feel bad, though, that this ancient sea beast, who's a part of Kong Skull Island... Yes! Were, you know, yes! That's they, where they end up at the end. They're on Skull Island. I love it. They were going to make a sequel. So, and Benny originally died. And Benny shouldn't have died in The Mummy, by the way. They Benny originally died, but all test audiences loved him so much, they reshot the ending and bring him back on a surfboard, which is beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Okay. He should have died in The Mummy. He's a horrible character in The Mummy. I, still, I, love, I love him I love, in The Mummy, but his death is very fitting. Him and his charms, just, ah, oh, he's so good, and he's so he evil, and he's so... Consumed oh, in the so, dark by a, an army of scarab beetles. But, he's so he's so wonderful, Benny. He's one of my favorites. But So the three of them, if this movie was a success, they were going to do a Journey to the Center of the Earth-style film, where it's just oh, the wow. three of them trying to survive. Okay. Which I, would I mean, be, I'd, I'd watch that. Which would be beautiful, the three of them... Yeah, his bullet get some dinosaurs in there. And, oh yeah, just give me, give me those three running around with dinosaurs. Oh, that would have been cool. I just, after looking at this movie though, and all, all the delays and when it came out and its release date, I guess it never really had a chance. But I am very happy. You know, Aaron Newworth, they covered this on his, uh, on on his podcast. Well, out now with Aaron and Abe, they did a commentary for it. Oh, I'll listen to that. And, and then he said shortly after, Kino Lorber decided to do the, the Blu-ray for it. But he loves it. I've been reading, like, Joe Blow. I've been reading um, Oliver, I think, Harper? He did a, a retrospective on it. And I think there's all these articles out. The Guardian did one. Collider did one, but they were just advertising movies anywhere, which was kind of weird. But there's, I think there's people who realize this is good. This is a good movie. This isn't a so bad it's good. This is a... This is good. This is yeah. a good movie. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That's, it's exactly... You, I mean, if you're going in to watch this film, you're going in to have a good time. And that's exactly what you get. Can you think of the last time that you laughed as hard when Benny's like, you a-hole! Like, I haven't... I, <laughs> I laughed so hard during that scene. It was just beautiful. What a funny, written, silly moment. And also a gnarly death, too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean... I, I had a lot of laughs in the Mitchells versus the Machines, which would probably be a, most, a recent one that I really enjoyed. Oh, I gotta watch that. It's, it's, that it yet. is really good. There's a dog in it uh, that has interactions with robots, and that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I might just, well, I can't watch it tonight. Maybe tomorrow night. You should definitely write watch a... it. It is, it is I... a, a strong recommendation. I need to write a review. I'm gonna write a review for Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, because that's a beautiful film. But... I wanna see it. I wanna see uh, it. One of the weirdest things. We were listening to the commentary last night, and it'll change your life. But I just, just the keep, just the silly moments, just the, you know, how many, you know how many islands there are? Two? It's, ah. And then I like when they climb up to get into the cruise ship from his boat, and Benny is, I know I keep saying Benny, Tooch. It's like, <laughs> it's that Benny. was actually kind of fun. And he enjoyed climbing up on that. Ah, yeah. so good. Actually, I, I think... Uh, and another slight problem I had with it was the the names of the characters. Like 
nothing really like they 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 don't have like one solid name each that you get called again and again so it sticks in your head so like Kevin Joe Connor he is called by some characters call him Joey some characters call him Tooch some call him Pantucci so I got to the end of the film not knowing what his name was because he got called all these, all these different things but so I think uh, uh, Treat Williams again he's, his name's Finnegan it's not said that many times Mm-mm. but he calls him all three different names at various points and I just it didn't cement in my head Canton Simon Canton stuck in there nothing else did all that well so I, yeah. I don't it's a small a small problem it, it's not even a problem if you think about it O'Connell like that's yeah. in Benny and just Benny yeah oh man <laughs> you're on the other side of <laughs> oh what a good movie oh, so I, I love the scene in the elevator where it's just like nine people in this small room and it's and it's going nuts it's going up and down all over the place and they're all just trying to, just trying to survive it that was fun and uh, the girl from Ipanema say, playing I'm, at the end of it, and then it crashes to the bottom. Like this elevator is out of order. <laughs> hey, what was that? What is this? Or what was that? It's the girl from Ipanema. <laughs> <laughs> I kept trying to interrupt you there because I love that moment. <laughs> no, it's my fault. I was trying to interrupt you. <laughs> it's a beautiful elevator moment. It's cheeky. It's fun. Just it featured a great shoe womping and a great shoe dropping. But I've seen lists of the great elevator scenes from films, and this has not appeared on it. You get you get speed. You get I think Devil. This is a great elevator film. Uh, but Deep Rising just doesn't seem to appear on those lists. It needs to be on more. It does. Oh man, I just love the whole screwed up math too. The guy, the guy built a cruise liner that was too expensive to be profitable. <laughs> I'm just judging the market. Like that's the whole plot of this movie. But then it makes sense that they're way out, like, 600 miles away from anything, there are uncharted charted islands. But then that makes sense that they're by, like, the Mariana Stre- uh, Trench. Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere, and that's where this monster comes from. So it makes... It, you know what's weird? You think about the plot of this movie, and you just kind of think, okay, like, that makes sense. I don't know if you felt that way, but they're in the middle of nowhere, and there's a monster attacking them. That's a pretty good premise. Yeah, I... I... They may have overcomplicated a little bit by having the the guy trying to blow up his own his own uh, cruise liner and the team of mercenaries he's brought in to to rob the place first before they blow it up. It's it's kind of layers that you don't necessarily need. If you think about like the Poseidon adventure, is like, a boat gets hit by a wave to upside down, try and get out. That's that's one layer of plot and it's perfect. It's all you need. This adds a couple more in. They're like, okay, you got you got the crew of Mercs who come to blow it up, but they haven't told the guy who's bringing them there to blow blow it up, and they're gonna take over his boat. You got like four different factions of people, of like mm-hmm. Trillian, and then uh, Treat Williams and Benny, and then the Mercs, and then the evil guy who runs the whole thing, and then the captain who's on board the thing who doesn't know any of this either. There's all these people who just come in with different perspectives who don't know anybody else. It's maybe overcomplicating things a little bit, but I got it. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. No, you're you're right. There's at, not at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to survive, and get out at some yeah, point. I guess you you think about <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. These sharks are trying to kill us. Anaconda, the snake is trying to kill us. Uh, Voight, you know, Voight's bad to begin with, so it's just they have to deal with Voight and the snakes. Yeah, you might have like one person who's at odds with the rest of the group, but this has five different groups, so. <laughs> All kind of at odds with each other to some degree. You know, Cliff Curtis was supposed to have a bigger role, but he didn't want to swim during that scene, so then they gave Clifton Powell the longer role. And Clifton Powell did a great job with it. Yeah, I love this character. I'm freaking out, man. 
I love I love the scene too when Trillian shoots the gun and she falls back into the water. It just makes me laugh. Oh gosh. And then the whole thing with Clifton Powell where he goes, Fine wine, more like a keg of beer. I'm like what <laughs> I want him to like to like grab Treat Williams belly and kinda of jiggle it a bit when he said that. <laughs> His cheek? Yeah. I love that thing too, that if the cash is there, we don't we do not care. And Tooch goes, What kind of life lesson is that? Why? Uh which is fair. It's, it's not yeah. worth to live by. It's not gonna not gonna end well. How do you get this crew? What uh, uh, Finnegan? Yeah. How did Finnegan get Tooch and Layla? Because they seem pretty good at what they're doing, and they're a couple. Maybe I don't know. He seems he seems to have known them for a little while too. I was I was surprised that they were a couple, given uh, given Tooch's how how low opinion of, of himself he has that he mm-hmm. would have such an accomplished. Uh, partner yeah she she seems she seems far more sure of herself and capable than i would expect the partner of tooch to be Uh, (laughs) nothing against kevin joe connor but he is just a character who is beaten up by everybody that he meets every scene he goes to so um Mm -hmm. maybe that's just something about their relationship i don't know but i did i was surprised to discover oh these two are a couple okay moving on uh but how how he came up how he, he got them as a crew do you reckon that they were a couple before he hired them and just being in such close quarters all the time, they just kind of fell in love? Yeah, it seemed right. Because yeah. Finnegan is sort of, he's like a rogue. I don't know. I don't know why she didn't like him. So I reckon, yeah, they, they well, were just maybe he was with somebody else when, when he first hired uh, Layla and she got with Tooch before Finnegan broke up with his then partner. Hey, that makes there's sense. some, there's some like law to this that we're making up, which is fine. <laughs> and then also, as as far as aquatic sea beasts go, what would you give this monster? Um, what to eat? Or... Like, oh no, like, like I'm sorry, like A to A to Z, like A to F, like grade, like on a on a aquatic sea beast rating monster scale. I I really like it. It's it's at least a B from me. I like the design. I like that it's a genuine threat. The, the, for ninety eight, the effects are pretty good, if you ask me. I, I mean, again, I'll go back to it. The, the half eaten Billy dropped out. That looked incredible. I was so impressed with with that scene. For, oh, yeah, that looks... for something that's like twenty twenty three years old at this point, I was I was amazed. Uh... So they call it the Octolus, and then there is a random scene though when held they're the 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 rich boat owner talks about it being a Otoa, like a family of deep sea yeah. worms. With well, like a evolve. length of a pencil at some depth, and then a bit deeper down they can eat a shark, and go down further, who knows? Yeah, what, 10,000 they can eat? I have the, I actually have it here somewhere. I assumed and... it was Cthulhu before that point. Yeah, but, yeah. So, um, <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I thought that, that would have, like, maybe they couldn't get the rights to Cthulhu. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, 4,000... It's like a pencil. Twenty thousand, it can eat a shark. Thirty thousand, do the math. I'm like, no, tell me. Like, <laughs> Extrapolate. How... Yeah, yeah. Like, giving two values is not enough to provide do the maths for a third. That's not enough to work out the pattern. Is it a linear linear graph or is it does it go up exponentially? We need to know a third one before we can work this out. You cannot base a formula on two factors. You how, can't do the maths. How does Simon can't know about this though? Did Simon know this was going to happen? Actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't expect him to be able to do the math because he, you know, he, he screwed up He's the finances on his own boat. So <laughs> he doesn't know this. But how does he know this? Well, maybe that, maybe he knows this because he spent too much time researching CBs instead of working out how to do the finances for his own company. 
Yeah. So he's I, he's I more obsessed with with that. with sea creatures than than uh, casinos on the water. He just went in the wrong direction business wise. That's funny. If, if if they okay, if he hadn't shut down the boat, would the monster still have attacked? Yeah, because the monster attacks before. No, just uh, yeah. That's a good. That's a good question. Because they do shut down the cruise, and then they put on the auxiliary power, and then it's coming up from 180 meters below. And I, I did the the math, and I did it in miles. My apology, but it's Fine. going 35 miles an hour. I mean, we, we use miles here. That's okay. Oh, okay. Cool. We're, we're, we're a country of 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 many different measurement. Uh. Okay, but like 35 miles an hour from right from underneath, and they had just shut down. Yeah. So I don't think the creature was smart enough to be like, oh, that cruise liner is running. I'm not going to attack it. And then it shuts down. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll go attack it now. So it seems like it would have whomped it anyway. Yeah, and the opening credits of the film, the first shots we see are from the creature's point of view swimming along the bottom of the ocean. So it's already on the hunt. It's already, like, mobile. Yeah, the submarines are wiped out. There's, like, a whale carcass down there. Yeah, so maybe it's just kind of bad luck that it ran into the um, the, the propeller. I, you know what? I think the deadfall from the things he kills are great for the the surface of the ocean down there. So let's say it wipes out a, I don't know, a submarine. Like, you know how many things could enter that thing and eat the guts of what are left? That could be a whole ecosystem on those bones and eating that alive. Like, the thing does really great work for things on the bottom of the trench. Yeah. <laughs> whale fall, they call it. I didn't it. think about that. I don't know. The whale fall would be exceptional. That makes me sad. That's why I don't like the Meg. <laughs> yeah. I digress. I, it's, I mean, there's a few reasons. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, do you want to... I got something for you. Okay, Something shoot. random. Now, I originally said let's do a 1990s monster movie. I was prepared to do that, yes. We can still do it really quick. <laughs> but I want to do a... Because uh, I think people should research this. I want to do a Hollywood Pictures draft. Oh, so hell. If you type in... If you, do you, can you pull that up, Hollywood <laughs> uh, Pictures? Yeah, Okay. This is a company that I found out existed at the start of this podcast. Um. So, I mean, this is a Disney-run company, but they have a ton of movies. Like when you flip through here, you'll know that uh, you know what they have. The one thing I think maybe we should leave out is, I mean, this is a company that released Super Mario Brothers, right? Uh, Son-in-law. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you have first pick since I just dropped this on you. Okay. But Terminal Velocity they dropped, and... Uh, house guest, Miami Rhapsody, like really funky movies. Okay, this is a long list to try and scan through, so there's probably huge ones that I'm missing out. Look at 99, you'll probably want that one. Yeah, I, I saw 99, but that feels like maybe the the choice you were going to say we should leave out the sixth sense. Well, so, I was just saying that, but there's some really strong ones that can counteract that. So if you, I, I think there's enough in here to build a, a legit squad. So whatever you want. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that one and go for Tombstone. <laughs> for my first That's pick. That's the one that counteracted. Because <laughs> I think, because Tombstone is, is uh, again, it's a film I've seen one time, uh, but I really loved it. So yeah, Tombstone. Oh man. Alright, well I guess I kind of have to take the sixth cent. Well no, I'll take The Rock. Okay, yeah. That's Back to Battle Tombstone. That works. And I, I, I did get, uh, this is why you love him, I did get Kurt Russell vibes from Treat Williams in Deep Rising, so I feel like yeah, like I can see that from Tombstone. Uh, I'll take Quiz Show as my next one. I really like Quiz Show. It's, I just love how they have some good ones in here, and then they have some <laughs> some other films, some really <laughs> weird ones in here. This is a an eclectic group of movies, but I, I think okay. So you took that. 
I need to get something strong here. Let's see. Oh man, dangerous. Crimson Tide? <laughs> Alright, I'm doing that. Okay. Okay. This is just a long old list. Uh, um, no, I'm not going to take Judge Dread. Ridiculous. Why would I even think about taking Judge Dread? It's a terrible thing. Oh, Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank. Oh, Got to take it. Now, do I do I want to let you just run away with this one? Uh, I don't, you know I don't think it's up to you at this point, Mark. I'm going to go to Son-in-Law. I don't okay. care. Okay. Holly Shore movie. I'm well, lost, but I'm adding it. I mean, I'm going to take Encino Man. Oh, wait. Encino Man was in there? Yeah, oh, 92. This is a huge list. Oh, yeah. I'm done. I need to go strong then with my fourth pick. Okay. So you you have a big... Oh, it's Joy Luck Club. Hey. Dead Presidents. That one's popular. That one's actually... I love that movie. That's some iconic visuals in there. Dangerous Minds. I know I can, I'm just reading movies out loud now, but I just... <laughs> I need to pick something here to battle your squad because I'm in trouble. You know what? I don't care. Deep Rising. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's definitely worth taking. Okay, for my last one... <laughs> I'll take the sixth sense now. No. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take Arachnophobia, their first Ooh. ever film. It's an eclectic list in this thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. This is, uh, I mean, if you took out a lot of the trashy ones, you could have a really solid uh, production house list on it. <laughs> I just love the the funky things that they have in here. They got some. They got some good ones. They got some bad ones. Okay, I'm in trouble. You have Tombstone, and that's that's an automatic seven out of ten. Like that, seven out of ten people are going to vote for to see Tombstone and vote for it. So that's why I am going to add the six cents. Okay, that's fair. You can even bump it to the top of your list if you want, so the order makes sense. I want to put it last, and then so people are like six cents got picked last. The fifth round. <laughs> I don't think people understand how Deep Blue See the podcast and movie Souls of Flicks work. <laughs> People don't go for the throat immediately. They go for funky. And that I feel bad for taking Tombstone first round now. <laughs> no, I told you you could. I'll, see, you know what's funny? I gambled because I was like, he's probably going to take six cents. Then I'll go take Tombstone. And then you took Tombstone. <laughs> I was like, no! I feel like rock, any given day is a coin flip as to which one I would rather watch. So <laughs> Today it's Tombstone. Well, was... Tomorrow, who knows? Did you prep for the 1990s monster movie? I, to an extent, yeah. I have I have some uh, some 90s monster films. So I told you you could pick Jurassic Park first if I get the next five picks. You did, and I I feel like Jurassic Park is is too obvious of a choice. It is obviously the best 90s monster movie because it's the best movie. Full stop. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not gonna go with that. I'm not gonna take Jurassic Park at all. Okay. Not on the list. So. Oh. I'll, not... I'll let you have first pick though. Okay, my first pick of 90s monster movies is The Faculty. Oh. Aforementioned on this show. Falky Jansen. And just an incredible cast. Such a deep cast in The Faculty. I love it. See, that throws me off, because you could have gone for the throat with that, but you did I could be standing on your neck right now, but I decided not to. All right, well, then that, that means I'm going to take Tremors. I thought you were going to take Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't pick it's going to leave me for dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop. Just stop. Like, I'll be done. Uh, who's your second pick? Okay, I, sec- I think this is fun. I, I like exploring 90s monster movies. Yeah, there's some great ones. I'm going to take From Dust Till Dawn. That's my second one. Oh, great. All right, perfect. well, I'm an... I'm- 
I'm in incredible trouble, so I'm going to take Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to help. Uh, <laughs> I I'm going to take uh, I'll take Anaconda. Oh gosh, that's a fun This one. is my worst. This is my worst case scenario. <laughs> All right, I'm taking Jurassic Park. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, the Lost World's there. I'm going to go with movies I love, and I'm going to lose, but I'm going to take Congo. Uh, because see, you yeah, and I Congo's did an episode of it. You and I did an episode. Is this a monster movie? Is Congo a monster movie? Yeah, the, the, there's like those, those killer albino apes at the end. And Ernie, and Ernie Hudson and Laura Linney yeah. shooting back-to-back flare guns <laughs> at missiles. I mean, you could even Beautiful. you could argue that Amy's a monster because she's a freaking talking gorilla. Yeah, she good drinks point. a martini. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Uh, I will take for my next one. I have a soft spot for Mimic. Ooh. The, the Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, I I get it's not perfect, but I do enjoy it. Uh, so if we're going with the right. '90s monster movies that we love, the Mimic is on my team. Now, is Deep Blue Sea too obvious? Yes, right. We should probably not pick that. It's it's one I wasn't gonna pick, but okay, I'll leave it off. I'll take Gremlins two, the new batch. Oh damn it! I was gonna take that next. <laughs> I just saw it and went, ooh, that hurts. Hi. That hurts. Okay, hello there. So is this my my fourth or my fifth? I've lost count. This is your fifth. My fifth and last pick. Okay, then uh, if you if you think that you're in trouble, I'm gonna take Ronan Emmerich's Godzilla. <laughs> Whoa! I'm gonna set fire to my team <laughs> and walk away. You're really doing it? Yep, Godzilla. Uh, it's a, a film I I adored when I first saw it. Still liked it the last few times I've seen it. After then, today it's my favorite Godzilla film. Granted, I haven't seen any of the uh, the like the Japanese ones or any of the older ones, uh, but it's better than the the recent ones that I've seen, in my it's opinion. Ninety eight, right? Yes, yes, yes. Matthew Broderick, Hank Azaria. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat him as a cameraman. All right, so I get the last pick, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, this is this is crazy. I could go super. I could go Chronos. Yeah. I'm not going to. That'd be way too. That'd be very pretentious. Just species. Whoa. Oh no. Alien resurrection. Wait, the mummies. That's a that. I won't do it. I won't take that. That's that's too that much. Feels like rare, an attack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're actually you're taking it easy on this time. Then I, I I go in. I'm trying to get into the MFF spirit of things. All right, so I need to pick a monster movie that I love. That was 1990s species. I, oh yeah, I mean that movie's not bad. It's it's good. It's got a, a surprising cast in species. You know what? I'm taking the relic. Okay. Because I love monsters and museums, and that's it. So you can when you listen to this episode, you can go to Deep Blue Sea the podcast on Twitter or the Facebook page, and we'll set up a poll. So Jay has the faculty from Dust Till Dawn, Anaconda, Mimic, and Godzilla 1998. I have Tremors, Ernest Scared Stupid, Congo, Tremors 2, The New Batch, and The Relic. This might be kind of close. I think so, yeah. We shall see. Oh. There'll any, be two any, polls, because there'll be the other poll as well. The oh, yeah. Hollywood Pictures I, poll. That's a tough one. That's Basically. Tombstone, Quiz Show, Gross Point Blank, Encino Man, and Arachnophobia versus The Rock, Crimson Tide, Son-in-Law, Deep Rising, and The Sixth Sense. Yeah. I, th- I think I think you might take circuit. that one actually. I think you might take that. People are going to short circuit. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that wasn't even well, made, released by them. Well, thank you for this palate cleanser, man. This is 
there's a joy that comes from watching Deep Rising. And it, 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 when you're as busy as we are, it's really nice just to watch a fun movie. And this is just a beautifully fun movie. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I would have been very up for, for discussing this for 10 straight weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that could have, could have been done. I would have been happy with that. <laughs> Wait, I mean, we could still do it. <laughs> I bet we've, we've covered a lot of it in this week. Uh, but let's, let's not rule it out. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we still got two and a half months. We didn't even talk about, we didn't even talk about the jet ski. The jet ski action scene at the end. The the staple of your podcasting career, Mark, the jet ski action sequence. And the fact that, the fact that they're running a jet ski through flooded hallway of a cruise ship. They're approaching an elevator. The elevator doesn't shut. It's got a shotgun. Shotgun's the elevator panel. Door opens. Does it again. Other door opens. And then they do um, a little yeehaw as he rides away from it. He he lets out yeah he lets out a straight up yeehaw. I was and almost crying after I saw that sequence. It's he was so phenomenal. happy, it's outstanding. You know what's interesting? If you watch that scene, if you've never seen Deep Rising, and then you watch this moment, you're wondering why this guy is having such a blast on this jet ski. But then you, but when you watch the whole movie, it makes so much more sense. Just he's shooting the buttons perfectly, yeah. and then they close on the monsters, and he's just yelling. And then they actually made that jump. There's a behind the scenes of how they did that jump, and they did that jump from the boat. They built this large model, and they jumped out of that thing. But then they cut to the close-ups of Treat and Famka just going yeehaw. So it's not like the Spy out. Who Loved Me, where they have a little, a little tiny model of a boat. That they just pull out the back of a of, of a big bone, and it's the, yeah. the most obvious little toy shot in the history of, of filmmaking. <laughs> they they jump. That's a jump. They made a real jump with a jet ski, like a practical jump. And yeah, it looked great. It, yeah, it looks amazing. And they're just riding around a cruise ship. You know what I love too? When he does that beautiful spin to get the speed up, he's like, "We gotta get our speed up," and he's like, "Yeah." And then he does that, the most unnecessary <laughs> fast spin I've ever seen. He's having so much fun. Yeah, and he's oh man, and then he's making trillion uh, cockets shotgun. shotgun was there? <laughs> oh man, what a and he his aim is pr- like shotgun shell. Like what? Normally it's a scatter shot. It's like a short range thing, but he nailed those buttons. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, what a beautiful scene. Just what a beautiful film. Yeah, uh, th- just <laughs> it thank, is. thank it you is. for introducing it to me, Mark. I'm, I'm genuinely. Very grateful to have this introduced into my life. It's it's been oh. uh, thirty three years of not having watched Deep Rising, and I'm, I'm glad it's been corrected. It's the proudest moment in my life. And we introduced Kevin Culp, who was on Deep Blue Sea the podcast, to this movie, and he loved it. He did, yes. I'm glad he did. I mean, how could you hate this movie? I I, I don't understand. I don't understand. It it was before its time. Clearly, mm-hmm. it, it should have come out twenty years later. It would have been Best Picture nominee. Yes. It probably wouldn't win. It would have been against like Moonlight or something. But it would, so, you know. You oh, no, him. imagine that. The winner is Deep Rising. <laughs> and then they go Moonlight. Everyone's like, whoa, okay, cool. The world's back in a That world. makes more sense. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but Deep Rising will forever be known for that. Whoa. If I ever present at the Oscars and I'm doing Best Picture... I'm going to go, and the winner is Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. That movie <laughs> will be a Somebody comes out and tells you, hang on, hang on, hang on. The card, you've read the card wrong. He's having, 
<laughs> but you've gone. You've just disappeared. You're out. You've left yeah. the, the, the the stage. You've run. Oh, the winner's Moonlight Two. I, I'll uh, I'll be able to say that. But Moonlight Two, uh, Deep Rising. <laughs> for the rest of the, the for the rest of the world, like not the world, the rest of history, people will say, yeah, this movie won. But the guy announcing it said Deep Blue Sea, the 1999 like picture. If you're in that position, you'd be missing a trick if you weren't saying, and the winner is. Movies, films, and flicks. <laughs> Lucy, the podcast. Yeah. Read it now. Yeah, if I'm ever on the news, I'm, I'm name-dropping everything. Because, okay, that, that clip's we've seen around the world. So. Also, the DVD is only nine chapters. So if you're thinking about it. Oh, okay. That, this changes things. <laughs> that's, that's not enough chapters for this film. There's, there's, more than no. like, there's more than nine iconic scenes in this film. Yeah, it would be a shame to talk about like four iconic moments happening at once. I mean, we could just spend an hour talking about the jet skis. Yeah. Easy. I think I've done episodes about that on Movies Films and Flicks before. Probably, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've talked a lot about this jet ski scene. And I, I like it more now. I just, on jet skis, he looks too happy on it. And it throws me off a little bit. I, I just, but knowing the character, he, he, he does let out a yeehaw. Well, and the, the Yeehaw, I think it's it's not because he's on a jet ski. It's because he's just fired a shotgun at an elevator to make the doors open. And it worked twice. Like, that's that's the Yeehaw for me. The no jet ski's got nothing to do with it. He's, he's, he's smiling in spite of the jet ski at that point. We should do a episode called Deep Rising 2 and just pretend like we've seen the sequel. Um, yeah. <laughs> we could do that. Because then it would be real. Then we would have it would actually be there. <laughs> we could. So uh, something that we always do on uh, on Deep Blue Sea the podcast is we look at how how deep and how blue what we're talking about is. And goddamn it, I tried with Deep Rising to work out how deep and how blue Deep Rising is. Uh, this is the metric through which I watch all of all films now. It turns out. So compare. We've, we've done this with Deep Blue Sea and Deep Blue Sea Two. How do you reckon it compares, Mark? Do you reckon it's deeper or bluer? than either of those films? Well, I think it's all above surface, except for a couple moments. I mean, maybe the people on the boat are a little bit underwater. The, I don't know how deep the cruise liner goes. But I would I would say this is less deep and less blue than all those movies. You would be correct. This is oh. this is surprisingly the perhaps the least blue film I've ever seen. It is about 11% blue, and that's me being generous. Most of this, is, it takes place at night, so it's dark. There are there are whole swathes of, of minutes go by with n- nary anything blue to see. The, the most blue we get is the fact that, that Trent is wearing a blue shirt, over which he's wearing a blue check shirt, that for half the film he's wearing around his waist, which uh, entertained me to no end. I just love that he did that. <laughs> he's got to take this outer shirt off. He's not throwing it away. He's tying that around his waist. That's He's keeping that shirt. That's like his dad's shirt or something. <laughs> uh, it's a family heirloom. But yeah, depth-wise, it is mostly above water. I I did get an average depth of about minus 5 metres, about minus 15 feet. But most of that is based on the 62 seconds towards the start of the film where the sea beast is going along the ocean floor. Because the average depth of the South China Sea is over a kilometre deep. Not quite a mile. But uh, a mile. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we have 60 seconds, 62 seconds of, of minus 1.2 kilometres in depth. And then everything else is like above the surface. Um, oh, that's great math. That's I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. So yeah, it's it's... Uh, significantly less deep and less blue 
than uh, than either of the DVC films. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a I day love this well movie. spent. I love this movie. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you did that. Oh, if we do, if we cover it in nine chapters, I can talk about all the doors being opened. We could do, yes, and the doors close for themselves. <laughs> I couldn't work out the logic behind that, but it does happen. Like, are they on the timer and they're just randomly getting through them? I don't or... know. Is it yeah some kind of uh, self-destruct protocol, or is the the one of the tentacles is up in the control room, just closing the <laughs> door, popping them? <laughs> Beautiful movie, it's fantastic. Uh, uh, well, thank you for joining me on this. This was great. Hey, uh, my pleasure, genuinely, my pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, anything you want to promote before we get out of here? Oh well, uh, listeners, you can you can listen to Deep Blue Sea the podcast uh, over wherever you can find podcasts and follow it at Deep Blue Sea Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can read more of my writing over at Life versus Film, LifeVSFilm dot com. Follow me on Twitter at LifeVSFilm or on Instagram at jcluet j a y c l u i w t. Or come join the LAM, the largest association of movie blogs. Find it at largeassmovieblogs.com. If you have a film blog or podcast uh, or want to find some more, then come join the community of us over at the LAM. It's a fun time. Oh, yeah, it's great. I love, yeah. I've been part of that since, what, 2015? I, I think so, yeah. It's been, it's, it's been a while, yeah. Am I, am I a LAM veteran? Uh, yeah, why not? You're... Uh, <laughs> we, we don't have categories for that kind of thing, but yes, it's, it's cool you are. Uh, a lamb veteran, uh, an old hoof at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we get, uh, yeah, uh, you can check. Oh, I also just want to say hello to everybody in Gambia. We're the number one thing out there for film reviews. So thank you to everybody for listening. I will, uh, it's amazing. We've been number one for a couple of weeks now. Beautiful. Thank you. You're actually beating my, we're beating NPR and Movies, Films, and Flicks. Oh, nice. Which is my other podcast. So Movies, Films, and FLIX. And then you can check out uh, my stuff on Film Theory. I have a new video coming up about. Uh, Corella DeVille, if you type in Film Theory, Mark Hoffmeyer, you can check that one out. I just did one about Minions. I got another one coming out about, well, I don't want to wreck it. And then if you want to listen to RT is Wrong, I do the research for that. And then Rotten Tomatoes Versus. So check those out. And I have a couple new articles coming out. So if you type out, type in Mark Hoffmeyer, Rotten Tomatoes, you'll be able to read my new articles as well. But yeah, that's where you can find me. But this, oh man, I just want to do this all over. I love this movie. <laughs> It, was, it's, it is a very, very fun film. If anyone out there has got this far and hasn't watched Deep Rising, then you should definitely do so. It is on Disney Plus right now. That's how I watched it. It's on Disney Plus. Oh, it's a, and I think it's getting a new audience because I watched somebody did a YouTube clip that's already gotten, I think, 150,000. And the guy was like, yeah, it's on Disney Plus in the, in the UK. And I watched it and it's amazing. So I think it's really opening up an audience being on Disney Plus. More people are definitely watching it now. Which makes me very happy. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. No, that's cool. And then Deep Blue Sea 3 next. Hell yes, next week, Deep Blue Sea 3, Chapter 1, The Journey That's begins. a beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. I can't wait. All right, well, uh, well thank you for This was great, man. Thank you. No, no, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. All right, so for me, Mark Hoffmeyer. And me, Jake, we'll see you next week. 